Welcome to Scotch Parlor. I'm Rick Scotch, your host of the Scotch Parlor podcast, where we capture lifestyles and share stories of inspiring people that bring motivation, knowledge, and entertainment to our community. Life is good. Let's get started. Welcome to Scotch Parlor. I'm your host, Rick Scotch, on the Scotch Parlor podcast. Today, I'm super excited to have our first female entrepreneur, Miss Jen Pelka. Hi. She is the founder of The Riddler, which is a champagne bar in San Francisco Hayes Valley neighborhood. And she's also the founder of Magnum PR, which is a full service communications and marketing agency. I actually came across Jen through a online website. And I actually, the website was showing the top wine bars to go to in San Francisco. And I just I pursued that. And I saw The Riddler. And I just was like, Oh my God. So I love the name and I was just like, okay. And I did more research on Jen. I was just super, super impressed. And I was like, I need to speak to her. So now we're here today and I'm going to let her give her introduction, but I just want to say thank you so much for being part of this. I appreciate your time and, and really appreciate your story. And uh, I'll pass it on to you to tell your story, just basic stuff, just uh, where you're from, where you're living now and anything that you want on a personal side right now. Oh, thank you so much. Well, thanks so much for having me on. I started The Riddler about two years ago in January of 2017. And we are a little corner space in San Francisco's Hayes Valley. We have over 100 champagnes by the bottle. And we're really inspired by almost like Parisian style cafes or wine bars that I have loved from traveling around. I spent the last 10 years in New York and then moved out to San Francisco a few years ago and just really fell in love with this corner space and have wanted to open a champagne bar for years. Okay. I just love champagne. I think it's so much fun to drink. It's uh-huh. It's the kind of thing that turns any day into a real celebration. And so I really wanted a place where we could celebrate champagne and and um, have a lot of fun. So yeah. here we are. So here we go. See, that's awesome. So then where are you originally from? So I grew up in Florida. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. And then went to school out here in California. I went to Stanford and then moved to New York. Was in New York for 10 years working for restaurateurs. I worked for Danielle Ballou for many years. And then I worked in a lot of sort of digital marketing in the food space Sweet. Okay. roles. Okay. Okay. And then moved out here and I was working for Open Table, heading up uh-huh. restaurant marketing. And then I decided I wanted to go out on my own. So then, okay. So then when do you feel like your entrepreneurial journey? Like what, have you done it prior to you said you want to do it on your own? You've always had that? So I have two businesses. I have the Riddler and then I also have uh, Magnum PR, which Uh is my PR company where we focus on San Francisco based restaurants. And I started that company about six months before opening the Riddler. And I started that really just as a consultant. Um, My husband is in the restaurant business. He has Suvla, which are a bunch of Greek restaurants that are really, really delicious and very popular. Mm -hmm. And when I was thinking about what I wanted to do as my next move after Open Table and after a brief stint at a restaurant tech startup, I had realized that I had been doing a lot of PR for my husband for years for free. Uh-huh. And <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> he said, Jen, just go out on your own. Um, and I was very lucky. He said he would pay for my fees for, for a full year up front. So I had a little Sweet. bit of a nest egg. Yeah. He still has very good rates, let uh-huh. me tell you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the benefits of yeah, your name. <laughs> yeah. But he really believed in me, which was obviously very helpful. And so I started doing some consulting for him. And then from there, we had some friends who had restaurants that needed publicity and we helped them. And 
and I got an intern. And I, at the time, I was really doing my work from a laptop out of a coffee shop. Uh-huh. And then we brought on another intern. And then fast forward two and a half years later, we're a team of 10. And we work with about 30 uh, restaurants in San Francisco. Wow. Yeah. So that's, a, that's a great that's that's the entrepreneurial journey right there. Absolutely. Right? So, so yeah. and as far as if we go back before all this, right? When you were younger, did you have that entrepreneur itch where you were? I've my dad is an entrepreneur, uh-huh. um, and he has he's either sort of been a CMO or president on the on the sort of marketing side of American con, um, manufacturing companies. Uh-huh. His first job was at Oscar Mayer, oh, wow. where okay. he was the plant manager uh, managing the making Oscar of the sausages. <laughs> um, and then um, when I was growing up, he was always either running the marketing side of a company or he started a, a company or he purchased a company that was um, doing doorknobs and door pulls. Okay. Um, and my, da- my dad did the marketing side. My mom did the finances. And so I've seen a lot of entrepreneurialism in my in my day, and uh-huh. um, his parents owned diners and delis in New York and okay. New Jersey, and so that was always sort of part of my DNA. And I had always wanted to open a restaurant. Gotcha. I um, okay. graduated from school and told my parents that I was going to get a small business loan and open some sort of a restaurant in San Francisco. And they told me, "No way, you're crazy. <laughs> Go to New York, get a real job." Uh-huh. And so I did that. But when I was I was working at a hedge fund, actually my okay. first my first job, and I really fell in love with restaurants and chefs and the whole world of what it's like to to run a restaurant. And I was really lucky and met a chef at a bar in Uh, New York when I was 22. Uh And I said to him, hey, I heard that you can work for free. You can intern or you can stage is what they call it in French kitchens. And I would love to come apprentice for you. And he was like, "Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I called him a week later. Uh in the middle of service and he picked up the phone and I said, hey, this is Jen, that girl you met the other night at that bar. Uh, I want to come work for you. And he said, okay, black pants, black shoes, white shirt, bring your knives. And so I showed up that next Saturday morning and Uh I had, I had one knife. It was from Crate and Barrel (laughs) and I brought it in like a tea towel wrapped around it, um, with a hair tie around it. That's awesome. And I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they, he walked me around the kitchen and because he was the sous chef at Danielle, everybody kind of took me more seriously than they typically would. And they put me on a, on the lowest station Uh to help out with like picking herbs and, you know, peeling vegetables. So you weren't able to use the knife? <laughs> I used the knife a little bit. But, uh, they, they actually told me, he was like, you can come back next week, but you have to go to this knife store. Yeah, yeah, buy yeah. these three <laughs> knives. Like that's embarrassing. Uh-huh. And so I like immediately went to this sure. Japanese knife store called Corin in uh-huh. in New York to okay. go bulk up on the knives. So that was my first entree into the restaurant world. And um, I've always been pretty fearless. Uh huh. And I've had so many different business ideas that I've wanted to do. I tried to open a restaurant in my early 20s in New York and um, couldn't raise enough money. And thank God, because I was not ready for it at the time. Uh And I think sometimes like if you if you try to open a business and for whatever reason, you especially can't get funding, it probably means people don't yet believe in your idea or you don't know enough uh, about it. Okay. Um, And then when I moved here to San Francisco, a couple of years into it, I decided I really wanted to do it. See, okay, so then and that's where the the Riddler, this is your foundation as far as how you're building your your restaurant. 
empire kind of thing, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and I do see this as the first of of many. Uh-huh. Not not many. Yeah. But my goal is to do New York within the next year. Uh-huh. And possibly Champagne within the next year to two years. Cool. Okay. Um, I would love to have a location in Champagne because it would give us a home base for our team for training. And um, I also, I, I recently traveled with our beverage director and our lead investor um, to Champagne. And one of the things that I found was that it was pretty challenging as a, as essentially as a tourist okay. to navigate Champagne because obviously everyone's speaking French. And if you're not fluent in French, that's challenging. Um, and <laughs> also a lot of the houses are very sort of private. And so okay. to get tours, you have to have a real in directly mm. with producers. And we, frankly, we run a Champagne bar. We have a lot of really amazing connections, but it still is, it's a huge region. It takes almost two hours to drive from one side to the other. And um, a lot of winding roads Uh and um, it's just not super navigable. So I think it would be amazing to have a place for, to certainly to serve Europeans and um, people coming in from Paris and people throughout Champagne, but also to have a hub um, for Americans who are traveling to Champagne to know that they could go there um, and have a spot that yeah. they could have that could help them to introduce uh-huh. them to really beautiful tours and to understand the region. Gotcha. So, okay, yeah. that's cool. So then like, to go with the Riddler, what was the inspiration like for the name and then your motto? I absolutely sure. love the motto. Hello, old friend. Yeah, right? hello, old friend. I'll start with that story. <laughs> so when I was living in New York, I was working for a company, the Guilt, the Guilt Group, uh-huh. the online flash sale site. And I was... Um, Working there at Guilt Taste, which was a division of the company that no longer exists, but it was part of the company that was focused on gourmet food and wine. Okay. And we would do a lot of different wine sales and a lot of champagne sales in particular because it's a company that's very luxury focused, very brand focused. And we were doing a blind tasting. And at the time, I was very, very early in my wine and champagne education. And we were doing a blind tasting. And one of our tasters was this woman, Laura Manek, who is a master sommelier who runs Cork Buzz, which is a really cool wine bar in New York. And we were tasting through all these wines. It had been hours of tasting. And she came upon one glass and stuck her nose in it and swirled it around. And she goes... <gasps> Hello, old friend. Wow, that's so cool. And it was Krug Champagne. Okay. And she knew it immediately. And I was blown away that there are people out there who can, without even taking a sip of a wine, identify that wine. Uh-huh. And also specifically that there are wines that are so familiar and so spectacular that they can really feel like old friends. That, okay. Yeah. That is, that so is cool. awesome. So, okay. so cool. So that's... That is the direct reference. It's cool that it's a champagne reference, obviously. Yeah. And then it's another woman, and she's an incredible entrepreneur and uh-huh. and one of only a very small handful of female master sommeliers. And she was the youngest master sommelier ever, I think, when she passed. Oh, wow. Um, she's really, really cool. And um, what it means for me at the restaurant is it's sort of an attitude that we channel uh, uh-huh. with our team to our guests, which is the idea that even if you're stepping into the Riddler for the first time, we want you to feel like this is a place where you're surrounded by friends and you're welcomed as if you've been here hundreds of times before. Yeah, yeah. And that you'll come back again and again and again. And so that's the attitude we try to convey. And I and I can absolutely attest to that because when what came out with me and my wife, we felt completely welcomed, completely warm. And it, you're the waitress that was... 
so informative on on champagne, way, way above my head. Uh, <laughs> like as far as like I couldn't even say certain certain the words. Oh, yeah. the, but oh, yeah. but it was just yeah, absolutely. I what you just said exactly hits home. Oh, thank you. So that well, that's much- also something that that we talk a lot about as a team is that champagne is pretty confusing. People don't have a lot of experience with it. Uh-huh. Most people who have had champagne, true champagne from champagne, have had it at weddings or on New Year's or as a real celebration. And it's truly a treat. So for us, we have an opportunity to, you know, certainly educate our guests a little bit, but also to make sure that we're not like plastering them with information that is going to take away from the experience. We want, we want our guests to know, to learn a little bit, but also just to enjoy these really beautiful wines. Absolutely. So then, well, going back to, because you had your Magnum PR open six months prior to the Riddler. And now let's go back to the day of the opening of the Riddler because this is something that you, it was a big thing that you wanted to do as an entrepreneur. What was that feeling like when you, if you remember that feeling of- Oh, oh I remember. <laughs> it was New Year's Eve. Okay. And we picked that night because obviously New Year's Eve is, uh-huh. the, is the official champagne night. For sure. And okay. we filled the room with friends and family, with a lot of investors and it felt really, really incredible to see the room filled with people who were dressed to the nines and popping bottles, having a great time. Um, it was incredible to be with the team to see how they were interacting with our guests. Obviously, we were super nervous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was so much fun. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And there's something really special about that feeling of filling a space that you've built with people who are actually paying for the experience of being here. I mean, I I pinch myself all the time when I walk around in a full dining room filled with people that I don't know who are here enjoying their time with us. Yeah. And that really, truly blows my mind every time. Every time. No, seriously, because you, you, I mean, at the end of the day, you created this space and this product and the fact that people come in and come back that you know you're doing something right and, and that's and, the hope and, yeah right <laughs> so and so running the riddler and then obviously in your magnum pr what is your typical day like oh <laughs> i wish i had an answer to that i'm trying to figure that out every okay, day okay. i've i've done so many things with my schedule to say oh i'm gonna work on magnum in the mornings until 11 and then the riddler from or excuse me magnum in the mornings until one, and then after one, I'm going to work on the Riddler, and I'm going to be really diligent about that. But the truth is, is that every day is different. Mm-hmm. Um, I do try to split my time about 50-50 between the two businesses. It's really challenging, and yeah. sometimes there are weeks where I'm spending all of my time on the Riddler, and some weeks where I'm spending all of my time on Magnum. Um, I travel a lot for work. Okay. Um, we do all kinds of events for the Riddler where that take us all around the country, so um, just last week, I was in New York for the Infatuations Eats Con, which is a really cool food festival put on by this great website called The Infatuation that does restaurant reviews. Yeah. And we did this really fun pop-up that where we did shambongs, which are champagne beer bongs, essentially. Interesting. Oh, yeah, right. oh, they're so fun. They're so fun. Um, and then we did... You know, lots of caviar and snacks uh-huh. and stuff. So we do things like that. I, you know, we've been to Feast Portland. We've been to Aspen Food and Wine. We do, we do those things all the time. So when those things are happening, it's like full speed ahead, prepping for a big night of an off-site representation of channeling the brand of the Riddler. Um, I also spend a lot of time in New York on behalf of Magnum meeting with members of the media who okay. are New York-based. Uh-huh. So we've got a lot of media here in San Francisco, but most of the media is really centered around New York where all of the publishing is happening. Okay. Um, So I would say a really typical day is I'll wake up pretty early. Uh 
I try not to use a an alarm clock. Okay. So <laughs> I'll wake up. I'll roll out of bed. Um, I've recently made a rule for myself that I don't have my phone in my room. Okay. So because for a long time I would spend like an hour on Instagram. Just, yeah, 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 yeah. And so I could be a tried to, tried to move away from that. So I try to. I just recently subscribed to the New York Times in print. So okay. if I'm if I'm on a good day, really I'll good wake up like really early, like five or six. Um, roll out of bed, get the paper from outside, make coffee and read the paper for like 45 minutes. Yeah. And that just sort of eases me into my morning. And then I'll um, check emails and get a jump start to my day. If I'm really lucky, I'll get a workout in. And then ideally it's soul cycle, which like really kicks my butt into gear. Okay. okay. And then from there I'll go to the office. So we had a, an, a, an office for Magnum, and we recently actually just moved to a really amazing co-working space, mm-hmm. which is an all-women's co-working space called The Assembly, Okay, which is co-working and workout, and you can meditate, and you can get oh. acupuncture, and you can get your nails oh, wow. done. Like the, yeah. It's really cool. It's like a woman's utopia. And, <laughs> Good way to describe yeah. it. Um, and then I'll do tons and tons of emails. Most of my day is emailing, frankly. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll work on... We'll probably be working on press releases for uh-huh. clients and a bunch of emails out to members of the media. We'll have a couple meetings. And then ideally in the afternoon, I come over here, check in with the team, talk about what's happening that night, any special VIP guests. And then if we've got um, maybe a wine event here, I'll work the floor for a little bit and greet some people at the door and behind the bar. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of times I'll have events offsite in the evening. Okay. Um, so... Yeah, it's and nonstop. you know a podcast here, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, time is of the essence for you. It's right? true. It's, it's crazy. It's true. So that through your entrepreneurial journey as of right now, it, always learning as you go, right? What has been your biggest learning experience as an entrepreneur as of right now? Yeah, such a great question. I would say probably most importantly, it's finding and investing time into the team. Okay, like finding people who have an opportunity to really grow, who are inherently excited about their field, who know more than me in certain areas, and who I can invest time and energy um, and resources into and watching them flourish and grow and and build really cool projects and programs for our businesses. Um, I love seeing people here on the Riddler team who, you know, our, our beverage director, for example, is a woman who started on the floor as a SOM, and then we gave her a little bit more opportunity and a little bit more and a little bit more, and now she has full-scale ownership over the list. She leads all of our tastings. She leads all of our education. Mm. She leads off-site events. She's just a really, really incredible powerhouse woman, and it's amazing seeing what she has done. And to be totally frank, when I first opened the Riddler, I thought that I would essentially be the beverage director, that I would be the one leading the champagne education, leading those tastings, being the main point of contact to all of the winemakers. And yeah. if I was doing that, I would have no time for anything else. Yeah. yeah. And she's so, it's an, a real area of passion for her. Gotcha. And she's grown so much in that way. So it's a, a wonderful to see somebody doing that. I, I think one of the things that I talk to a lot of other entrepreneurs about is um, the idea of getting over the idea that, that we have to be the ones who are doing the yeah. things. Like um, we're really the captain of the ship and yeah. pointing the ship in the right direction yeah. and getting out of people's way. It's so hard to do. Yeah. But, um, I try to remind myself of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like letting go of and even stuff that you you love doing, but it's like, sure. Because I you mean, have to concentrate. Yeah, you're the vision. You have to keep the the ship 
in gear and, right. and, and go the way you want it to go. Right. And, and yeah, I mean, do I, would I love to fill my day with tasting champagne? Sure. <laughs> yeah, right. That sounds like a good plan. <laughs> but then maybe we wouldn't have the opportunity to open in New York yeah. or to do these yeah, other yeah. events. And yeah. so, you know, I, I dabble in the tasting yeah. still. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, you still have to have, you still got to love what you do, right? And that's oh, still absolutely. part of the thing. And, and it's, uh, you, as you've been successful, as of, you know, as you continue to be successful, what do you find your two strengths are that has kept you successful? I think, um, first and foremost, I'm pretty fearless. So taking risk is not something that I'm particularly worried about. Um, I like being really, really busy and I like being challenged and I like feeling inspired. Uh -huh. I think the times when I get a little down in the dumps and don't feel like I'm of service to any of my, uh, any of the people who work for me is when I feel like I actually don't have enough on my plate and when I'm not really inspired by new projects. I love working on new projects. New project, gotcha. Um, so that's, you know, fearlessly jumping into new projects and just barreling ahead is something I'm really good at. Um, I would say the other thing that I feel like I'm good at is sort of establishing a brand and pushing it forward from a marketing and PR perspective. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely like the chief marketer of both of our companies and like the spokesperson for those brands and constantly talking about, you know, what our goals are. Our goal at, at the Riddler is to be the best champagne bar in the country, probably in the world. Uh -huh. um, our goal at Magnum PR is to be the best San Francisco based restaurant PR agency. And I believe that we are probably both of those things. Yeah. Um, I don't have any proof of it, but no, but, yeah, no, but I mean, <laughs> but that's what hey. we we talk about day in and day out is how to be the best at those two things. Well, so this is what I was going to say is, and I'll attest to this is like your branding here at the Riddler is like, um, like I, I was pointing out when we came up, I'm like, it's unbelievable. Like, did you feel pressure where you like, because you have this Magnum PR, thing, like this is kind of like your showroom in a way, like how you brand it, how you market it. But you and the cool thing is you have your strength of being fearless. So maybe you're just you know what let's just go all you know I'll go this way and this yeah I wouldn't say that I have I feel a lot of pressure around building the brands. I think it's just something that comes really naturally. And mm -hmm. I think the luxury of of running Magnum PR is that we get to work with amazing restaurant operators who I get to learn from every day. That's and cool. some of them are really really great at marketing and, yeah. and branding um, and positioning. And that's something that's that I just really love and enjoy. We also have the luxury of working with a really great designer whose name is Danielle Moore, who helps us to do really cool things like we just launched a line of enamel pins that people are obsessed with. Uh -huh, and uh -huh. they come in day after day after day buying these pins that are so cute that like one is like a bag of popcorn because uh -huh, we have popcorn uh -huh. at the bar. One is red lipstick because our uniform is a black dress and red lipstick. Or... Um, one of them says, hello, old friend. So uh -huh. those sorts of things sort of carry forward the brand. And yeah, I don't, I don't feel a lot of pressure on it. I, I do think that it's really important for us, though. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. So then uh, to give advice to someone that is like, you know what, Jen, I want to start a business. What piece of advice would you give them as something that can just come off the tip of the tongue? I think the most important thing is to figure out what the business is and what you want to be the first, the best, or the only at. Um, I think there's so much work that goes into building a concept and wrapping your head around running a business. There's so many pieces to like everything from really logistical things like finding a lawyer, finding an accountant, establishing your entity, fundraising, um, building a team, guiding that team, um, marketing your brand, et cetera. But the first thing you need to do before you do that is figure out like, what's the thing I want to be the best at? What's the thing I want to be the first at? Or what's the thing I want to be the only at? So that you can 
can that can be your true north always. And the thing that I think is really helpful about that is it allows you to say no. Mm-hmm. So for us at the Riddler, we want to be the best champagne bar in the country or in the world, which means we can say no to having lots of other wines on our list. Yeah. Or a full-scale restaurant because we're really a champagne bar. Uh-huh. We don't have to think about beer. We have one beer on our list. It's uh-huh. Miller High Life, the champagne of beers. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so like, what that means is that frees up our entire team to never have to think about beer. And mm-hmm. what it allows us to do is to really specialize in champagne. And so when people are writing articles about beer, they don't think of us. But when they are writing articles about champagne, they definitely think of us. So I think there's something incredibly freeing about uh-huh. the idea of picking one thing that you want to be the best at and just charging forward with that. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. So also, the- like, it's really helpful for finding investors because if you say to, if you talk to 100 people and say, hey, we want to build the best champagne bar in the country, some people are going to say, oh, yeah, I, I want to help you build the best champagne bar in the country. Uh-huh. There are a lot of people who aren't going to care, but there are some people who definitely will. Gotcha. And then that's what you zero on, zero yeah. in on. That's your, that's your vision. And that's, so yeah, that's, that's great that's advice. Okay. So know your business. Know, <laughs> that, your business. know your business. And, and be like pretty laser focused on what your business is. Gotcha. Is. And cool, it's not. Cool, cool. So then I guess now we step away from the business side of things. And um, I, so I created this acronym WIDWID. So in what it means is why I do what I do. So what is your inspiration of why you're doing this as an entrepreneur? Um, I would say for me, it's twofold at the Riddler. So first and foremost, it's about promoting champagne mm-hmm. and helping people to celebrate life's big wins around champagne. Mm-hmm. So we see a lot of guests who join us for weddings, for birthdays, for promotions, for new jobs, for their IPO, etc. Um, and I love the idea of creating a space where people can have, can build memories around those really important moments. And we're really lucky and honored that people choose to celebrate those things with us. So celebrating life's big wins is a big one. Um, and then the second is is really around the the team of people who work with us. So I'm, I feel really fortunate that we have an incredible community of women who choose to work with us. We have a bunch of guys who work on the team as well who really believe in the mission. And um, all of our investors are women. We have 33 investors, all oh, wow. of whom are women. Um, our chef, our beverage director, our GM, and our business manager are all women. So I see this as like an incredible place for people to flourish in their careers and to grow as experts in their field. And many of those people happen to be women. So that's really cool. cool. I love cool. seeing that's inspiring. Seeing um, members of our team learning and succeed. And, and, and growing. And, yeah, absolutely. So then... Uh, what do you do for fun? Oh, what do I do for fun? <laughs> Hang out with my husband. All right, all right. <laughs> That's I, the number one. Yeah, 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 Um, So my husband and I love to – he's a big car guy. Okay. So he recently got this cool vintage convertible, and we love to cruise up to wine country That's and cool. have a day of – hanging out in the sunshine, listening to whether it's like Talking Heads, the Rolling Stones or whatever, like jamming to music on uh-huh. on the car ride up and then having a really delicious, wonderful afternoon of, of food and wine and sunshine. And then, um, yeah, just like hang out, hanging out in wine country, I would say is a big thing when I'm okay. here in California. Um, we love to host dinner parties. So cool. we love having people over and 
uh, there's probably nothing I'd rather be doing than like cooking for people I love. Oh, right. So cooking, and then obviously that also involves a lot of wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And then uh, we love to travel. So uh-huh. I said we we spend a lot of time in New York, uh, but we also love to travel around the world when we can. We try to do one big international trip a year. So we just got back from Copenhagen, which was so cool. Uh-huh. Um, and I was in Champagne earlier this year. My husband was in Greece earlier this year. So we we like. I mean, pretty much. It's eating and drinking. Gotcha. And All then right. Soul Cycle is the other thing I like to do for fun. Right. So yeah, you know, it could be re- it's research too, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It truly is. It, absolutely, it. Yeah. yeah. So then, as far as staying motivated, do you are you you read a lot of books? Do you podcast? What, what's your source? I'm of obsessed book? with podcasts. I okay. listen to podcasts all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't have very long commutes right now. My I live in the neighborhood of of the office for Magnum and also of the Riddler. So my, my podcast listening time is like five minutes here, five minutes there. Um, but I listen to the daily, always the New York times daily podcast. I love the Alec Baldwin podcast. I love how I built this. I love, there's a really cool new podcast called, um, startup to sale that's uh-huh. put on by Vox. Um, that's really good. They've just done three episodes and they're very, very good. Um, I love the cherry bomb podcast. So podcast. Yes. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. I try to read, the print issues of the times every day. So that Uh keeps me definitely informed. And I do like to read whenever I have a chance. (laughs) So I used to be a huge reader and now I'm less a reader just because I don't have a ton of time for it. But I do, I do try to make time for it when I'm flying. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So I use my flight times. Well, and I, I try, I, I'm on a plane, I'd say at least four times a month, like pretty often. Um, so I use my flight times either to get like tons of productive email work done or I try to like really unplug and read a great book or watch uh-huh. a really fun movie. Just to kind of relax yeah. the brain. Yeah. And we brain. watch a ton of political comedy TV. Okay. So we we watch um, Colbert and uh-huh. um, the – what's his name? The late night guy who used to be on The Daily Show. We watch The Daily um, – oh, gosh, The Daily Show. But um, – we watch a bunch of political TV. I also love The Circus, which okay. is this great, oh, I've heard of the circus. this yeah, great yeah. documentary show. I love watching documentaries. Too. Okay, okay. So yeah, That's so cool. yeah, we try to All try right. to get our our media in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's like it's definitely um, it motivates the brain. It relaxes yeah. the brain. I heard it um, actually on a podcast. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I heard a really really great idea. Um, so this is a podcast called Sound Explorer, um, Song Exploder, which is the host has musicians on and they talk about their, the, like a specific song and where they got the um, inspiration for it and how they put to get, cool. put it together and like layers of it. And so um, the lead singer of the Decemberist was talking about one of his songs and he said he has to remind himself every once in a while to take a breath in, that he's so used to breathing out as an artist that he's like constantly putting work out into the world mm-hmm. and he's realized that part of his creative process is that he actually needs to breathe in. He needs to like that's go to a museum or like read mm-hmm. a book or learn a new song because that's actually those influences are the kind of things that keeps him innovating and that so many people see that breathing out breathing in moment as like superfluous or all about you and it's actually not it's like you need to be breathing in and breathing out constantly and i thought that was just such a cool idea yeah no and that's a cool way of uh 
of I guess looking at it, spinning it, like yeah. you, you know, take some time for yourself. Yeah, and, and if you're and, only breathing out, like okay, yeah, it's not gonna work. You're gonna drain yourself. <laughs> yeah, right. Seriously. Yeah. So then, uh, what is your favorite champagne as of right now? I'm sure that sometimes may change. And then just one, like someone that's new to champagne, the champagne world. What would you? Recommend? Yeah, great question. I mean, I have so many. <laughs> um, a really affordable, approachable champagne that it's pretty easy to find at a good wine shop that I really, really love and which for me was like the aha moment champagne um, is from a producer called Pierre Peters. The bottles are typically like 50 to $60 retail. So they're, it's still, you know, you still have to pony up, but it's yeah. not hundreds of dollars. Yeah. Um, it's, it, that particular wine is, so they're very, very well known as Blanc de Blanc producers. So 100% Chardonnay. It's a really, really delicious wine for those, or you know, champagne is a wine. So yeah. <laughs> um, it's a really, really delicious wine for people to try to be like, if people are ever like, eh, I don't think I'm that into champagne. I find that it's typically because they've been drinking like a lot of crappy, large production champagnes yeah. like at weddings and and or like cooks, like not actual good stuff. <laughs> so for <laughs> most people, I think if they try Pierre Peters, they're like, oh, this is really good. And I had it um, at a friend of mine's house. We drank it at brunch um, with baguettes with butter and cheese oh, wow, okay. and it was on a very early weekend when I had first started dating my husband and it was just this like incredibly luxurious thing and I was like wait we're gonna have bread and cheese and butter <laughs> and we're gonna be drinking this beautiful Blanc de Blanc champagne at brunch I was like okay this is this is how I would like to construct my life yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Pierre Peters really really wonderful producer and a very benchmark champagne at a very affordable price point so I love okay. them um I love right now for a, a sort of a newer discovery champagne. There is um, a family that is producing under the label Gonet Medvie. So the Gonet family has been making champagne for hundreds of years. Uh -huh. And the Medvie family has been making Sauternes um, under the, the Giette label for hundreds of years. And the current generation... Um, Julie Medvie and Xavier Gonet are married. They're a young couple in their probably 30s or 40s. And they are producing a really, really spectacular champagne called Gonet Medvie. Um, and we are actually partnering with them to launch our own label, which I'm cool. really, really excited That's about. Really cool. um, we're launching in early December in New York and California. And the label is called Unfem. And okay. it'll be available in stores in New York and California uh, before the end of the year. Sweet. So pumped right. about. And some percentage of the proceeds goes to the Tory Birch Foundation, which is a really amazing women's foundation uh -huh. focused on entrepreneurs. And all of the wines that we'll be launching under this label will be made in partnership with women who we really admire. And so this first one is Julie, Julie uh, Medvi, who's such a rock star. Um, and this wine is so, 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 so good. Yeah. So <laughs> keep your eyes peeled for that one. All right. Okay. That's yeah. cool. So then just to kind of close up the podcast, there's these two, one's a quick question, but it's deeper. And then the other one's a little bit more deeper. <laughs> Ooh, Hi, deep. Right. And how more. do you want to define your legacy? Ooh, how do I want to define my <laughs> legacy? I would say that I would love to be known as somebody who has champi championed a lot of female entrepreneurs and has helped a lot of women to define what their dreams are and to see them come to life. Cool. Well, there you go. And then the last question is just a sentence, and you just need to finish the sentence. Jen is... 
a badass? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, sure, we'll, we'll <laughs> go with that. Cool. We'll yeah, go there with we that. go with that. I'll take it. So then, that's perfect. So then, as far as getting hold of you, like socially, if you want to yeah. like talk, talk about the website um, or the, the Instagram and everything. Yeah, and absolutely. We'll- so our Instagram for the Riddler is the Riddler SF. Our Instagram for Magnum is Magnum PR. And my personal Instagram is Jen Pelka, J E N P E L K A. Um, and our websites are just theriddlersf.com, magnumpr.co, actually. Um, and you can also just Google them. We have cool. good yeah, SEO. Yeah. You know? Okay. Are they- so <laughs> I, I work on that. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, and I will always like, once her story comes out on Scotch Potter, I'll have all those links as, on there Great. as well. So Great. Um, I want to. Thank you so much for your time, your story. It's super inspiring. And I'm sure our listeners have learned a lot about you and, you know, just on their entrepreneurial journey. So, oh, well, thank you so much. It was such a joy to be on. And I'm happy to be the first, the first lady in your crew. And um, it's a real pleasure. So, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs>